Greetings, this is Richard, your announcer. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Year 4 brings us again to our focus on growing biblical, dynamic, sincere, soul-satisfying prayer life. True communion with God, our Savior, is the essence of eternal life. Community is developed through consistent interaction with each other. Join Fred then as we explore our interaction with Holy God through the Bible and prayer. And now, as always, here's your host, Fred. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. My name is Fred, and I am the host. As one of my favorite TV characters says, and loving it. You may know who that is, you may not, doesn't matter. And I do love it, and I let you know about that quite a bit, actually. But God is merciful to allow me to talk about prayer. And aside from reading the Word of God and praying to God our Savior, I just love talking about prayer and the Word of God. We have been looking, as the title of this episode says, through Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. For what man is there among you, when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. This is the law and the prophets. Now, we've been going over this, and we've been looking at this passage, especially 11 through 12, or 7 through 12, and we've been talking about the possibility that it means just a straight call to prayer, or as I have heard taught before, it's a passage that pertains to salvation, or as I've also been looking into, the idea that verses 7 through 11, the prayer parts of this, are mere illustrations of verse 12 which is the golden rule. And we've gone through all that, and we talked last time about using, it's definitely, I, th- I love the fact that verses 7 through 11 can be an illustration of verse 12. And today we're going to talk about whether I think it is the, the main construction of that passage. And it doesn't actually make sense to me that it would be. And you know, again, with my heart, mind, and soul, that according to the last episode, that I do believe that praying for others as we would have them pray for us is a terrific application to the passage. And in fact, it's a terrific lesson anyway. Verse 12 is a terrific lesson anyway. And verse 12 again, therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. And it was called to my attention a couple weeks ago that Confucius also said something similar, and so did Socrates. And in fact, some people say, well, it's just the same. Jesus was just like them. He either learned from them or he was using the philosophy of the day. But they didn't say that exactly. And I'm just going to fret a phrase that you can look it up on the internet. 
what both of them said, both Confucius and Socrates, was if you don't like something, don't do that to others. That's not what Jesus says here. In fact, Confucius and Socrates, their statements focuses on who? It focuses on you. It's self-centered. If you don't like it, don't do it. That's self-centered. And self-centeredness is sinfulness, even, even in this context. And then it says, simply, if you don't like it, don't do it to others. Okay, that's in the negative. Don't do something. If you don't like it, don't do it. However, in verse 12, Jesus says, especially as Christians, through the Sermon on the Mount, if we're living out the Sermon on the Mount, internally we know what's right. He's just spent several chapters telling us what's right. And he's not saying don't just not do things to others. He is saying actively do for others what you would have them do for you. And that's a big difference. And it's not centered on you except in what you know is good and what you know is right. It's centered on others. And it doesn't say, if they do those things to you, then do them back. In fact, Jesus addresses this earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't he? When he says, even the Gentiles love those who love them. As Christians, we are supposed to have God's character and God's love, which goes beyond anything we can understand. But what we can understand is even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he loved us. Now, I listened several times to the sermon from John MacArthur, and I read the sermon, and I just, I just wasn't able to put it together that, that verses 7 through 11, in, it, in the Greek, in the structure, in the words used, were illustrations of verse 12. They are great applications, and we're going to look at that here in a second. But this is the conclusion that Dr. MacArthur came to. This is what he said. And so we have to ask and to seek and to knock. And he reveals to us. And I believe that that's the bridge that the Spirit of God would have us see there. It helps to know how to get that splendor out of a, out of a brother's eye and how to be careful about giving holy things to dogs and casting pearls before swine. And so that text teaches or reaches back, but let's see how it reaches forward in our text. Listen, that's what he says. Listen, how can we be free to give to others? And I've already told you how it reaches forward by knowing that God will give back to us what we need. And the Lord says, ask and I'll give it. And that conclusion doesn't support for me the fact that these verses are set in place just to illustrate or just to reinforce verse 12. And when I talk about interpretation, that's what, in my mind, that's what he was saying was verses 7 through 11 logically lead to verse 12 structurally. And I didn't hear any of that in the sermon. I didn't read any of that in the sermon. But we've already discussed it is a wonderful application. Now, what I believe is happening in Matthew 7 is that Jesus is wrapping up. He is concluding his sermon. And as he's concluding his sermon, he's wrapping up, reinforcing some points that he needs to reinforce. Verses 1 through 5, judgment. Don't judge one another too harshly or without judging yourself first. Verse 6, don't give what's holy to the dogs. There comes a point when we turn away, just like 
Paul did in the book of Acts when he left. I can't remember the city he was in, but he shook his shook the dust off his shoes as he left the city because of the unbelieving Jews. So that's a biblical principle. 13 through 23, that's the evidence of true belief. These are just briefly for me. And then 24 through 28, Jesus describes the rock, the life that he is calling his people to, the saved life, the life of salvation. And he says, there's a solid rock that's listening to his words and believing him. And then there's the hope built on sand, which is on your own righteousness and what you're going to do. So, it seems like he's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount here, and right in the middle, he says, again, it's a call to prayer. I think it's a call to prayer. Ask, seek, and knock. Whatever it is you're going to ask and seek and knock about, knock on the God's door over. And then 12, again, the golden rule. And I want to read it at least one more time. Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. And I've thought about this a little bit because there have been times I have talked to God about the judgment it seems to me somebody needs. And whenever I do that, I always think, what if somebody's praying for me that way? And the bottom line is, just like Paul, uh, just like David, when he cries out in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. I do want that to be true. I want God. And when I pray for others, asking for God to work on them, maybe in a more serious way than he has been, or that I perceive that he has been. I always pray, be as gentle as you can, but as forceful as you need to be. I give it over to his wisdom and his will in those things. And so when others pray, and they should be praying in my life for, for things that they see, I would like them to be praying Oh God, be as gentle as you can with Fred, but as forceful as you need to be. Because I believe his word, and I believe the truth of it, and I do want to be a man after God's own heart. We've talked about that before. And that takes tempering, it takes trials, it takes pruning. And so when we are tempted to pray the judgment of others, we need to think about that. And when we are obeying Jesus and praying for others, whether they're saved or not, whether we think they are evil or righteous, we should be praying, Lord, give them the good stuff, give them salvation, and not just praying judgment on them. And then, as I was meditating through this again, it occurred to me two things. The Sermon on the Mount is centered around two things. What's the great commandment? Do you remember the great commandment? To love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Trying something new. You may hear some clicking here. But it occurred to me that when we get to Matthew 6.33, where Jesus says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I always think about that in the authorized version. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When we are doing that, when we are obeying that command, one of the things we are going to pray is this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And our prayer reflects that beautiful desire to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness.
So it's not at all a stretch to get to verse 12 and say, read, listen to the voice of our Lord and and read, therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them, for this is the law and the prophets. And if you want to sum it all up and do what God wants you to do in your prayer life, you're going to ask for them, knowing that the good things are going to be given to them. You're going to seek for them knowing the same thing, and you're going to knock for them. And in the power of your prayer, whether they're believers now or not, in the power of your prayer, everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. And the Lord is going to answer, and he's going to answer the wisest way, because he is that Father that gives us a loaf, and not a stone, and a fish, and not a snake. What a glorious God we have. So in summary, getting all the way to this, this point, I don't believe the right interpretation of the passage is to use verses 7 through 11 strictly as illustrations of verse 12, but they are a great application to verse 12. While we are praying, expecting God's mercies, his gracious, abundant gifts to us, we need to be praying that for others as well. Because again, we are not like the Pharisee, thinking that we are better than everyone else. We're like the publican who just cries out, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And as we do that, beating our breasts, not even looking up in humility, we understand that we have no place to judge others and to pray for them any other way than, Lord Jesus, do what's best for them. Give them the mercies you've given me. Give them the grace you've given me. Give them the abundant life you've given me because I don't deserve it either. I hope all that makes sense. Verses 7 through 11, I believe, rightly interpreted, are encouragements, exhortations to pray. Again, I hope that all makes sense. I'll know in a little bit when I, when I listen to this. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your grace, which goes beyond anything we can ask or think. And we do bow before you in mercy and in that grace, asking for thy power to do thy will to the glory of thy holy name. Everything else, Lord Jesus, will fall into place as we seek thee and desire thee. Thank you for this time. Drive us to prayer. Drive us to ask and to seek and to knock, sweet Jesus. And to give us the good things and teach us how to not pray for the bad things. Make us your children in compassion and love. And again, in your mercies, we commit all this to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because it was your plan to save us, your Son you sent to sacrifice for us, and your Holy Spirit that fills us now. Help us to submit to all three, Holy God, in your will, to do thy will, to bring you glory, and to bring other people to spiritual growth and to salvation. Thank you, Jesus. What a glorious day. It's in your name that we pray and we entrust all these things. Amen. Thank you once again for listening. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Brethren, let's pray for one another. Amen.